Hello there, it's been a minute and welcome back to Hipstop Pod Season 2, at least that's what we're calling it. Uh, this is still Episode 4 so it's not quite accurate but you get the gist. Uh, today we're really pleased to be joined by Joelle Murray, one of the best known figures within the Hibernian community. Most well known for her exploits as a long-standing member of a women's team, Joelle is a Hibs captain, a coach, a community foundation staff member, a Hibs TV pundit, a BBC analyst, head of a girls academy and an all-round Hibernian legend. Speaking of Hibernian legends, I'm joined as always by Stu. How you doing, Stu? Yeah, not too bad. Um, enjoyed our summer break. Um, I think whilst a lot of footballers were complaining they were overworked this summer, we had an extended break and took a bit of a holiday, so it's good to be back. Yeah, I don't know what they're moaning about, to be honest. But yeah, we've uh, we've had a full pre-season. Obviously, we weren't planning on taking that break. If you listened to our last episode, we did say we'll see you in June. But really, it just made sense for a lot of reasons, um, mainly players and staff being away. Um, I think it's fair to give them a bit of a break, but we will be back every single month bringing you a new interview for the rest of the season. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I think we've got some some pretty good guests lined up. Um, obviously, getting Joelle on first is a, is a good starting point. Um, I'm sure she's got plenty plenty interesting to say. Um, and it, it's something that I'm, I'm quite passionate about is um, the advancement of women's football. So looking forward to that chat. Um, I think one of the things we said we'd, we'd start off with is just um, a little bit of housekeeping around the podcast and around um, hips.net in general. Uh, first one um, is obviously the, the shirt sponsorships, um, something that we've done for a long time. Um, and this year we're continuing our sponsorship of Darren McGregor's home shirt. Um, we're continuing our sponsorship of Josh Doig's boots. And we've now this year added um, Alex Gogic's away shirt as well. So um, it's money into the club and it's something we, we enjoy doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, delighted to be able to continue to do that. And thank you to obviously everybody who uses the site. That allows us to support the club in that way. Also, some uh, some updates from the forum itself. Um, Declonius, his prediction league, which was a really popular feature last year. Um, he's agreed to run it again, which is great. And um, this time we decided to kind of sponsor some prizes. So uh, the top three uh, can win £50, £30 and £20 of Hibernian vouchers, respectively. There's no wooden spoon, unfortunately. Um, last year, I think I was in the top 10. I did pretty well. And currently, I'm not even in the top 50. So, you know, the less we say about that, the better. I don't know about you, Stuart. Um, yeah, I'm not in the top 50 either. But I did miss a week, to be fair. Um, so um, and that's my excuse. But yeah, I think maybe the plan here is if you actually want to learn anything about football, don't listen to us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of conversations, um, I'm sure people that are regular users of the forum will know, but maybe people that only only check into the podcast or on Twitter, um, we do regular first goal scorer um, competitions as well. Basically, every, every home game or every home league game, um, we do a first goal scorer competition. Um, guess the goal scorer, guess a minute, win a £20 gift voucher. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think we're pretty good to, to go with the interview. Um, I think there was just one one little word of thanks you wanted to, to give before we go ahead with that, Gav. Yeah, definitely. So obviously Joelle has been at the club for a long time and up until recently uh, the, the Hibs ladies and now Hibs women team weren't always accessible via online means and I am a remote fan so I had to do a little bit of research for this and Jack Gillies, who's quite a well-known Hibs fan, um, particularly on Twitter, I think it's at JackGillies6 and his uh, YouTube channel which is JackGillies1875 where he makes kind of football video essays are really good, really interesting. He loves his German football, loves women's football and uh, he gave us um, a lot of information, basically his own personal insight onto, uh, you know, JL's kind of role within the club and her, her career to date. So thank you to Jack for, for helping us out. 
yeah, I'd just like to echo that. I didn't actually speak to Jack myself, but I follow him on Twitter, and um, he's, he's an interesting guy. Um, a lot of really interesting stuff, um, as Gab said, particularly around women's football and German football. Um, so give him a follow, and thanks very much. Great, so on that, uh, let's introduce our fourth guest to Hibs.pod, the most decorated captain in Hibernian history, Joel Murray. Joel, we'd be remiss if we didn't start by talking about the the two recent matches, just for 20 goals um, over the two games. I mean, it's not a bad start, although we were speaking last night and you were very quick to say, yeah, but I'm not happy about the two we conceded typical defender can you can you talk us through the start of the season yeah of course um so yeah the, the last two games we, we we played sunday wednesday um and of course as you alluded to there we we managed to convert 20 um over chances over the the two but like you said typical defender i was coming down the road last night from from dundee and all i could think about was those two goals that we conceded and it was both scenarios just on repeat um playing through my my mind but I think that just kind of um, typifies the person that I am. Um, I could probably make nine, nine half decent successful passes out of ten, and I'd focus on the one that was unsuccessful. So um, yeah, that, that kind of tells a story in itself. But yeah, fantastic start to the season. We've managed to kind of qualify from our League Cup group to progress to the knockout stages. So we're very, very happy with that. Uh, we were looking at the the twenty two goal difference on the on the table, and it, it's something you don't see often. Great start to the season so far. Can you can you talk to us about kind of your evolving role? Um, obviously, as a player, you've kind of started mostly as a midfielder, kind of shifted back um, towards a sort of sweeper role, playing both defence and midfield. Sort of, you know, what position you're you're mainly playing this season? What your role is? Yeah, of course. So this season, um, primarily, we'll be playing centre half and. Certainly hope I don't get moved out to the the, the wings um, as I as I did when I was younger. Um, I certainly don't have the the legs or the engine to to kind of go box to box. But primarily centre half this season. It's a position that I've kind of grown to to love. Um, when I was first moved into the position from central midfield, I was a bit sceptical because. I always saw centre-half as a bit of a, a negative position, a position that didn't see a lot of the ball, but the, the style of football that we play, um, I'm very much part of um, a lot of the attacks because we like to kind of build from the back. So, yeah, it's a position that I was kind of forced into. It wasn't one of choice, but one I've grown to love and uh, enjoy playing. Obviously, we've got some new signings this season. Uh, I think a couple from America as well, so that's um, something new for them culturally. Uh, how have you found uh, the additions to the squad and, and what kind of dynamic is there in the team at the moment? The new additions have been absolutely fantastic. Um, we knew we needed to sign new players um, because we finished the season playing Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday for about three or four weeks with about 13 players. Um, so the same starting 11. Um, and uh, I mean, at my age, it was tough. Um, so yeah, I was I was thankful for those new signings. Um, as you mentioned there, we've got three Americans, um, Gabby, uh, a goalkeeper, Tony and Alexa, kind of uh, attacking-minded players. Um, but we've also signed um, <clears throat> Michaela McAloney from, from Spartans um, and, and Erin Rennie, who's a, a very young player, but a great prospect. So all of those players have added a great strength and depth within the squad. And certainly um, there's a lot more competition for places now. And you can see that in training. Players are kind of 
noticing um, the, the strength and depth and the, the intensity and tempo and training alone is, is lifted greatly because of that. And that's what you want. Um, that's what, what you want as a coach and a manager and as a player, you want that competitive nature. And we, we certainly have that in abundance now. Joe, so you touched on it there. Um, obviously, last season was a little bit different, both in terms of a number of games, but just how quickly you had to complete them. Uh, can you just quickly talk us through a little bit more what that was like? Yeah, of course. I mean, last season was um, different in a number of ways. Um, obviously, you had COVID, which meant that the season was very much stop-start. I think in the end, we, we completed about four pre-seasons. Um, but then when we kind of got going again, um, it, it meant that the end of the season was um, was packed with games. We, we played three or four weeks, playing Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, just to to complete the season on time um, and that was it was tough going it was really tough your schedule was was pretty full um, because of course we although we've moved to kind of a semi-professional status a lot of the team if not all of the team are either working um, in school and further education um, so it was hard but we managed it um, and I felt like we, we, we finished the season strongly. I think um, Gav sort of touched on it there with regards to obviously um, talking about some of the, the transfers that came in and I think you led us into it quite nicely yourself with regards to um, you know the, the semi-professional status of, of the players at Hibs. Um, obviously you were the, the first professional Hibernian ladies player which is obviously a, a great step forward for, for the club. Um, how how do you see that in sort of your current role, um, both within the the foundation and within the the ladies team? How do you see that progressing? Will Hibs go to a position of sort of trying to get more players onto professional contracts? The reason I kind of ask is obviously um, over the last few years, there's been a few notable Hibs players um, gone sort of down south. There was Kim Little's probably the most high profile, but there was Lizzie Arnott, Kirsty Smith, more recently um, Jamie Lee Napier as well. And they've obviously left without Hibs getting any sort of real uh, sort of compensation for the um, the work we've done in developing those players. Is it is it part of the strategy to to try and get these players on professional contracts so we can we can start bringing in transfer fees? Yeah, of course, and I think that was the the main reason we we knew we had to make that transition because you spoke about the players there, and it's it's frightening when you when you think about the players that that have come through the academy, transitioned to first team and, and left the club without any sort of development fee. Um, Kim Little, Caroline Weir, Lucy Graham down at Everton, um, Abby Harrison. When you think of the, the players, you could probably make two starting 11s um, out of them. Um, and I think that was the main reason we needed to go to semi-professional because we needed to get these players on contracts um, to provide a bit of security for the club because, as I said, for so long, we went through a cycle of recruiting players, developing them, um, promoting them to first team, um, them being successful, but then leaving without any any sort of fee. So we were, we were always back to square one after about two or three seasons. So that's that's the main reason we're now on a, a semi-professional status, um, and that status allows us to to implement that 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 kind of clause in in our contracts. But of course, for me, the next step would be to to kind of go full time professional and and kind of integrate further into the club because at the moment, although there is that attachment, we're not fully integrated, and we are essentially a separate entity. 
kind of um, finding our own feet and, and kind of building our own framework. So for me, the steps have been progressive, but can certainly, um, hopefully, in, in a few seasons to come, can kind of reach that goal of fully integration and full-time contracts for all players. On the um the, the subject of sort of transfers again, more more sort of generally this time, it's obviously um Pernille Harder um, recently broke the, the women's um transfer record when she signed for Chelsea. I think it was a quarter of a million pound. And before we actually came on, I said I said to Gav that I think we're sort of well within the, the decade where the first million pound ladies player will, will will be transferred. I think it's almost a certainty. Where where do you sort of see sort of transfer fees going in the ladies game? Is it going to explode in the same way it did in the men's game sort of throughout the throughout the nineties and noughties? Um yeah, I think you're right. I think um it won't be long before we, we see that that type of fee for, for a women's player. Um and and in my opinion quite rightly so. However I do think we need to be mindful um, of the money that, that, that's been spent. Um, you, you saw it in, in the Spanish leagues recently with, with Messi having to move on because of a wage cap. And I think it's great to see that players are being kind of recognised and rewarded with, with, with great amounts of transfer fees. But I think there needs to be a balance of how far do we go and when do we cap it? Um, because, of course, your your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's and your Man City's and your Rangers and Celtic's up here in Scotland, naturally, <clears throat> those clubs have an abundance of financial resource um, and it often becomes a, a case that those teams kind of kind of run away with, with, with leagues and competitions because of that. So I think to provide a bit of fairness and um, there needs to be a, a balance of that kind of reward and recognition um, in terms of transfer fees and development fees but also um, one eye on the bigger picture and how that kind of impacts those other clubs within within the leagues. I think that's that's something we're actually quite keen to talk about and you've brought us in it quite nicely is obviously in the, the last sort of few years um, Rangers and Celtic have really sort of stepped up their, their efforts in the, the women's game and you know, obviously, for for a long time, Hibs and Glasgow City were kind of the the two dominant forces, and then suddenly, you've got this sort of spectre coming out of coming out of the other parts of Glasgow. Um, you know, that as as a someone who's obviously a, a passionate supporter of women's football, but also a passionate you know Hibs player. You know, how how do you balance that between you know having two two big entities in Glasgow, you know, who are trying to professionalise their ladies' teams? It's it's good for the development of the game. How do you balance that with the own ambitions for the game in general for the smaller clubs, if you like, and for for Hibs, how do you remain competitive with with that? Yeah, I think obviously Rangers and Celtic, as you said, they they kind of uh, resourced, especially financially resourced, um, a lot of kind of time and effort into their their women's teams, and without kind of beating about the bush, um, Rangers essentially bought a new team on the back of them fully integrating into the club. And it's one of those ones, one hand you're thinking it's great because you're hoping that that will give other clubs the impetus to kind of do something similar um, and kind of go with that that uh, that model of, of integration into to their club in some way. However, on the other hand, you're thinking, how do we compete with that? Um, because it is the same in, in the men's game whereby... I'm pretty sure if, if Hibs and Rangers or Hibs and Celtic were in for a player and it came down to, to money, 
naturally the player would would choose the, the the Glasgow clubs and it's the same it's the same with us we were in a position whereby we had the opportunity to re-sign a couple of players who'd went elsewhere maybe down south and abroad and they wanted to come back to Scotland and they actually wanted to come back to to Hibs but we couldn't compete in terms of kind of contracts and, and what other clubs could offer so there's kind of two, uh, I wear two hats with, with regards to that discussion. Um, one, it's great because um, the game is progressing and hopefully they can pull other clubs um, forward. But on the other hand, uh, it's a, it's one of frustration to say the least. I think it's been 16 years you've been at the club. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. As is clear from our conversation, you've overseen a lot of change. Um, both within the club itself and the structure of women's football at that time, but you've also done quite a lot on the pitch, um, which includes you know Champions League performances, multiple domestic trophy wins, um, Scotland caps. I spoke to Jack Gillies before coming on to do this because I'm a remote fan. I'm based in Norwich, so I haven't always been able to watch um, the women's team, and he uh, he couldn't speak highly enough of you. And I think that's you know where you you get a true reflection of people's. Um, opinions as a fan when you just ask them candidly you know describe Joel Murray and he couldn't use any word but legend you know you're you're still playing you're still coaching uh, but have you had any opportunity to reflect on that status as a as a living Hibs legend? Um, probably not actually and it's still it's still doesn't really sink in when when people kind of refer to me um, in that kind of term with that terminology um, because for me I just see myself as a Hibs fan playing for Hibs. Um, so when I do hear stuff like that, it makes me kind of like take a step back and maybe think about briefly what I've done. But I probably fully won't um, reflect on on my career and and what I've done at Hibs until until I retire. So yeah, for me, it's I just want want the best for the club on and off the pitch, and and if I can play a part in that, then then so be it. Um, it's never about me. Um, I always try and push a lot of things onto to other players, and and ensure other players are kind of getting the recognition and the reward that that they fully deserve. Um, so yeah, it probably won't sink in, and I, I fully won't reflect on on my career um, at Hibs until I until I retire. So. Hopefully, uh, another season or two before I, I can do that. I hope it doesn't come across like we're, we're trying to prematurely um, retire you here. <laughs> um, but just, do you have any sort of aspirations for after your um, after your playing career's over? I mean, obviously, um, you're you're working towards a, a qualification in applied football management. Um, you're obviously doing the work with the community foundation and overseeing seeing the sort of ladies project if you like and on top of that you've been a, a very popular pundit on the match on Hibs TV as well so what what would be sort of next for Joel Murray a few years down the line the pundit the manager <laughs> um there's probably not a specific pathway um that I want to go down or that I've decided to go down at the moment all of the things you spoke about there they're all of the things I absolutely enjoy. And I think the one kind of common denominator is is football. I absolutely love football and I love Hibs and anything that that revolves those two um involves those two entities, sorry, I'm I'm wanting to to know more about and wanting to learn and wanting to to be part of. But I'm currently going through my A license, so I've, I've got a, a keen kind of interest in, in coaching um, however as you said I'm doing my applied football management course and, and on that course it's fellow professionals like Johnny Hayes and 
and the considine and stuff so learning and listening from from guys like that is 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 very very beneficial and and yeah the media and the broadcasting stuff so those are the three kind of pathways that that I think one of which I will choose to go down but um over the course of the three I'd still kind of like to do a bit of each um I don't kind of want to signpost myself into one 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 area and Again, across both the male and the female game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of signpost myself and say definitely want to to stay in the women's game because I, I do have a keen uh, aspiration to to go into the men's game, and I was quite fortunate to to be down at HTC for a train training session um, with with the first team. I was I was overseeing and observing and. Um, just the way Jack and the coaching staff down there go about their business, it's something that that I'm and would be keen to to kind of get involved in in both the the male and the female games. So yeah, long story short, um, or to summarise, I don't have a a pathway that I want to go down. But um, at the moment, I'm kind of building that toolbox and making sure that when I do retire, I'm in a position to to kind of pick from that what I wish to to do. This is literally just five little questions. They're um, they're actually not that silly. These ones are all relatively good, but just um, kind of um, just for short, sharp stuff. So we, we mentioned um, the 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 Hibs TV. Um, so who who was your favourite favourite guest on Hibs TV that you were on alongside with last season? Oh, favourite guest. I don't want to offend anyone, um, but probably John Hughes um, and or Gordon Strachan. Both were. We're we're on it when when need be, but um, very very cheeky off the camera. So uh, <laughs> one of those two. And if if there was a, a sort of dream guest, any any pundit, any player that you could be be on sort of punditry duties with, who would you like it to be? Dream guest. Um, I'll keep it Hibs related. Probably Frank Sozzi. Good choice. Um, best best paid player you've ever played with. It's it's a tough one, Kim Little or, or Caroline Weir, but I'll, I'll I'll go with Kim. Absolutely unbelievable player. And the best player you've you've played against? Vivian Medima, now of Arsenal, but played against her when she was playing with Bayern Munich. And finally, your your favourite player, either currently grown up or sort of of all time. I idolised David Beckham when I was grown up. I was a right right winger. He was a right winger, and I just modelled my game on his. Um, so yeah, David Beckham. That's interesting because my, my fiance always says that that's the one man she worries I would leave her for is David really? Beckham. So there's something we've got in common. <laughs> Perfect, that is great. Um, I, th- I think now there was something that we wanted to touch on, and we were kind of wary of um, kind of going down a sort of sort of negative route with this because we wanted to try and make it as positive as possible. But I think it kind of has to be be said. One one of the questions that was put to us was how how do um, how do ladies footballers feel about maybe being under a bit less scrutiny than their, their male counterparts? And I, I thought about it and I thought, yeah, I think probably to, to an extent individual performance, that's probably correct in the sense that at the moment on Hibs.net, you're not getting you know, a 10-page thread about could Joel Murray have done better for this goal conceded where we've seen that with someone like Matt Macy um, on, on Sunday. But I, I think there's a, a much darker element to it with, with regards to ladies football on, on social media and it, it can be a bit 
poisonous at times is you know you can see um a sort of casual anything from a sort of casual sexism where people think they're hilarious for saying women footballers should be doing the ironing rather than playing football through to disparaging comments about performance and the quality of the game through to misogyny through to outright sort of explicit sexualization of players as a player as someone who coaches how how do you feel about that and how does it impact both yourself individually and the the ladies within within your squad and at younger age groups as well yeah i mean it's probably sad to say it but i along with uh, the the other players in the squad probably expect those types of comments we we're now in a position that we've probably been exposed to either directly or indirectly those types of comments so it's it's unfortunate that we we now expect them um, and don't get me wrong um, they probably don't come as much as they they did a couple of years ago because of of course mindsets and perceptions are are changing and I think that's been helped by the the Euros in twenty seventeen and the World Cup in France in twenty nineteen kind of getting more exposure and people then appreciating the the ability on the pitch and. Instead of having an opinion of women's football without actually seeing it, they're now seeing it and they're they're, they're actually taking notes. So, yeah, it's 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 disappointing that you, you come to expect that. Um, and those types of comments, like like you said, women shouldn't play football; they should be in the kitchen. But I think it speaks more about that individual um, than it does us as as footballers because. We, and certainly I don't see myself as a, a, a woman playing a men's game or a woman playing, playing football. I see myself as a footballer playing football and certainly I don't think there's there's any need to kind of specify either way. Um, so yeah, disappointing. But as I say, those types of things and comments are, are less and less. And I think for me, although it wasn't, wasn't from anything on the pitch, I, as I experienced that. Um, last season on the back of uh, uh, an appearance on on the match and social media kind of blew up on the back of it and and it is it, it is tough and you then at that point fully appreciate kind of the higher profile players male and female what they go through probably on a daily basis and and that for me was one instance and it kind of made me kind of yeah, I, I got afraid. Um, I'm not going to lie, I got afraid, and I, I wasn't kind of sure what to do or say on the back of it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's disappointing that these types of people are still thinking it's acceptable to to kind of directly abuse players. Um, but as I say, we we expect it, but it is certainly um, getting less and less at the moment, especially from from what it was like maybe two to three to four years ago. I think from uh, what we've seen, certainly on the forum when we asked for questions, was overwhelmingly um, people were complimentary of not only your punditry, but also your ambassadorial role uh, with the club. Um, clearly, exposure is probably the best cure for ignorance, and uh, you can maybe talk about uh, your, your role within the academy setup. I think you're head of the, the girls' academy completely, and uh, clearly getting more girls playing football and, and people having their daughters playing football is one way. Um, to dissipate these kind of biases against women's football. How have you seen uh, the Girls' Academy change over your, your time there? It's been massive. I mean, when I was appointed, um, I think 2016, 2017, there was no kind of firm structure or framework um, 
every every team were, were kind of doing what they wanted and there was no kind of specific ethos or purpose or um, kind of a, an end goal. Um, so where we've come from then to now is is unbelievable. We've, we've now got a, a full and complete pathway from from under 11s, soon to be under 9s, to, to under 19s. Um, and across all age groups, we've got about 120 signed players. And for me, I'm proud because I kind of was part of that. Um, and I've saw it kind of grow and develop. And for me, it's offering that environment to 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 girls, whether they want to play at an elite level or whether they want to play recreationally, there is that opportunity there for them. And I think that's so, so important because I think when girls get to, when they're younger, they've got that enthusiasm to to get into the game and they get to a certain age whereby their paths can go one way or the, the other. And I think we are supporting them very, very well and, and kind of giving them those those options, um, whether it be at U11s or at U19s. And I think part of, um, or 40% of, of the, the current first team is made up of um, academy graduates, which speaks absolute volumes. Um, and for me, that's that's the ethos. We, we always kind of try and look down before we, we look out. And we, we certainly give these these girls the opportunity not only to play football, but to follow their dreams and aspirations and, and play full time and, and hopefully make a living out of it. I think it, it, it. I think you've touched on it there, and it's something that's um, really noticeable. Is when I when I was playing youth football, you know, sort of twenty something year ago now, um, the the number of girls teams were was it was pretty much non-existent to be totally honest. Um, I, th- I think actually our school team had one one girl um, was on the bench for us. Um, it was the only way she could really play football. They they tried to start a, a, a you know a, a team for sort of um, I think it was under fourteen girls, and it was it was quite um, tough to get going really. And now I'm absolutely delighted and amazed at how many i actually probably see more girls teams training around about me than, than i do boys teams they're, they're everywhere um and i think most or certainly a, a fair few of the the big sort of youth clubs in edinburgh have all got got sort of um a decent girls pathway in place now which is is brilliant to see i think on that note it kind of brings us to you touched on the fact that hibs have got um you know various various age groups and a lot of signed players as fans and as maybe um local local businesses out there and such like how how would they go about supporting the girls team to help them to help them kick on again to to another level what opportunities are there for us there's there's absolutely fantastic opportunities um i don't know if if you guys or a lot of people are aware but the girls academy fall under the charitable arm of the club so the the community foundation so of course funds aren't as accessible as as um, potentially other other clubs so we, we kind of rely heavily um, on sponsorship and funding those are those are absolutely paramount um, every season and more so this season with the transition of of brand from from macron to joma we're, we're going through a period of transitioning in our training kit and our match kits and there's fantastic opportunities, player individual sponsorships, squad sponsorships. We recently announced them um, a front of shirt um, with environmental waste controls who extended their support of the club into the girls academy, which was, was absolutely fantastic. And I think you guys, Hibs.net, are um, are also looking to to do the same with our with our under 16 same squad, which 
which is fantastic. And we, we need more of that because these girls deserve the resources um, and the environments to positively play and progress their, their footballing careers. And without local organisations, without you guys, without that support, they unfortunately won't be able to, to do that. So if there is anyone that would like to kind of follow suit, then then certainly don't don't hesitate to, to get in touch with myself on, on any of my socials or or you guys and we can certainly have a, a discussion. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of support is is paramount paramount season in, season out and and anything that we can we can do or, or get um from this um going forward would, would be a massive help. And are we right in saying that uh, the season starter packs are available, uh, maybe for individuals who aren't looking to sponsor a team, but can can certainly help out in that way? Yeah, of course. We, we've had um, a great bit of engagement and success for from them, and and the kind of thinking behind that for me, I just wanted to to provide the the players with something that was relatable and something that was positive on the back of a a year and a half of. COVID-related issues and they were starting their football, they weren't. So for me, I just wanted to, to kind of pull something together um, to provide the players to, to kind of go into the season on a positive note and, and something for them to, to kind of look forward to, to receive. And so again, um, we've had fantastic support and if there is anyone that would like to, to help supply any products towards that or Kind of support any any financial um, support, then then certainly again don't don't hesitate to get in touch because it would be greatly appreciated. Can we just ask um, what kind of products you're most in need of, and and maybe highlight that now? Yeah, of course. So again, anything football related, so um, or football or female related, so um, journals. Um, the big thing for me is is trying to get the, the players to, to go away and reflect on their training and their the match performances. So we're we're looking for for diaries and journals. We're looking for hair baubles and um, pack of hair baubles and um, cones. Um, part of the pack we've we've managed to secure a football. So cones to go away and, and practice um, individually away from their their collective sessions. So. Anything like that, anything football related, um, if you have something in mind, if you don't, as I say, please get in touch and we can we can have that discussion and, and take things forward with it. I just want to say that I think it's a, a great idea and it's, it's something that I would certainly um, wholeheartedly encourage people to support. Uh, just to come back, you did mention it is there as well as um, obviously you said that we're, we're now going to be, as Hibs.net, are going to be taking on the, the sponsorship of one of the, the age group teams, um, a shirt sponsorship. Um, for us, for us, the decision was was fairly easy. Once once we had the discussion, was it, it's basically as far as we're concerned a natural progression from our, our long term support of both youth development and the first team on on the men's side of the club. And um, yeah, it's something we're we're delighted to do and very very proud to do. Yeah, no, and again, I was so appreciative, and I think it's it's fantastic to kind of hear you say that, and it's so refreshing that that you have the support of the different entities um, within the club and it kind of transitioning into the, the girls' side, it kind of encompasses and pulls together everything. So for me, thank you guys so much. It's, it's very much appreciated um, and certainly the, the squad will benefit massively from it. Great stuff, yeah. We're, uh, we're delighted to be able to wrap that up. I think lastly, Joelle, to 
to finish on a, on a high note, obviously looking ahead um, at the season, it's been a really strong start uh, in the Cup, as you've mentioned. Um, what are some of your aspirations looking ahead? Obviously, Hibs always looking to challenge for titles and, and Cups, but looking at the state of the squad and maybe the positions of other teams, what are your, your goals this season? Um, I think it's it's always cliche. You always say we, we want to go out and, and win the league and, and win as many Cups as possible. And that certainly is, is the aim and the goal, um, but we need to be realistic. Um, we finished outside of the top, t- uh, top two sorry, last season for the first time in, in a number of years, and, and that hurts. So first and foremost, we need to get back in the top two. We need to better um, our performances and our, our goal tally and our points from last season and, and kind of just build on that and show show that progression. And Certainly on the back of last night's performance um, up in Dundee against Dundee United, we were we were absolutely frightening. So if we can kind of continue um that consistency across the season, um the couple of the last couple of seasons, our biggest downfall has been creating chances but not converting them. Um but last night was was unbelievable. We were we were frightening in front of goal and and for me, if we can continue that um, and continue in that vein, then, then I'll, be, I'll be happy. Well, um, thanks very much there to, to Joelle for giving up her time to talk to us. Um, I thought that was really, really interesting, um, actually a bit eye-opening, um, and probably the, the interview where I've actually learned, learned the most. Um, I, I think um, it's something that, we're all quite aware of is the challenges that women's football um, faces. Um, it, it's a developing sport. Um, it's something that it's still, relatively speaking, in its formative formative years. Certainly, is um, sort of mass participation, if you like. And and I think, um, yeah, Joel highlighted there some of the challenges that they're they're currently facing. Yeah, I mean, it's something that maybe attitudes in the past are centred around, uh, well, it should be self-starting and you kind of, you know, um, let women's football get on with it. And if they're successful, it's it's of their own means. But I don't think that's really true. I think that's kind of just an attitude that allows us to be lazy with it and, and to not show support for uh, our women's teams. We've seen in the USA the progress of, you know, elite level female football over there has been has been incredible. They are decades probably ahead of us in the UK in terms of their women's game and that's largely because not only has time been invested not only have they been uh, great at sort of marketing themselves they've put money into it you know they've made sure that they've they funded the game properly and they, they've tried to put it on um you know a pedestal and and it's reaped lots of dividends for them so you know i guess that leads us on to the announcement of the sponsorship uh hibs.net have been able to to sponsor the under 16s the girls academy at hibs something we're really delighted to do and it, it felt quite natural for us to yeah, definitely. Um, I, th- I think once um, this sort of conversation was broached with um, Joel a couple of weeks ago, um, it, it was something that was really almost seems a bit of a no-brainer as we wanted to we wanted to go ahead and do it. Um, yeah, I, I think I kind of touched on it there is that um, women's football um, for a long time it, it's come on leaps and bounds in in the last couple of decades since I was I was younger um, with regards to the number of young girls playing the game. Um, and I, th- I think sometimes, you know, there's a, you, you touched on there, this attitude, it should be self-starting, it should be self-sufficient. And of course, yeah, that's that's the end goal, but it doesn't have 150 years of history to draw upon. It's coming out of a relatively recent de facto ban on the game. Um, you know, the, the information's there for people that want to read up on it. Um, and the, the SFA were actually one of the last people to vote against sort of leaving such barriers in place. So we've, we've got a lot of catch up to do. Um, 
yeah, I, I think attitudes are changing um, for the better. And I, I think, um, you know, us offering that sponsorship, it, it's a progressive um, way to do things. Um, it, it's a natural, I just touched on it there, it's a natural progression from supporting the, the young lads within the Hibs team to support the young ladies now within the Hibs team. Um, and yeah, I'm... I would say it's it's a, something that we're very very proud to do, um, and and rightly so, um, because it's um, it's the right thing to do in my opinion. Sure, and you know something that that Joel mentioned, which was it was almost quite stark. It was certainly um, a bit surprising. Was sometimes the investment they're looking for is not significant. You know, she's talking about trying to find bobbles and cones and these really simple things, journals um, to help football development. These are the kind of things that I think in um, professional boys' academies, you, you know, they're not having to ask for things like that. It's just kind of a given. And uh, given the situation that um, the academy is under the, the charitable arm of a club, there are restrictions there on the way that they can seek funding. So, yeah, these really simple things can make a big difference. And we felt, obviously, without getting into specifics of the amount that, that went across, that the money would be sort of better spent within the Girls' Academy right now because it would make uh, such a, a notable difference. It would go much further than maybe just investing, as we, we always do, in a, one block uh, into the club. There will still be money for, for other elements of, of Hibernian, and it will you know go across the club, but we felt right now we could we could make probably the most difference by, by putting some money into there. So, yeah, uh, we're pleased. Um, Joel was clearly pleased, and... Uh, we're delighted to take that partnership forward and we look forward to, to obviously working together during the course of the season as well. Yeah, I think just, just to wrap this up, is I think um, you, you touched on it there, is um, the amount that will go to the, the Hibs, Hibs men's team, um, be that youths or, or the first team, will be comparable to previous years. It's not a case of diverting money away. Um, it, it's almost has been a slight increase in revenue in the site for various reasons and you know we've, we've thought of a way to use that um, more than that um, and I don't want it to sound like it's, it's patronising women's football because I think they get quite enough of that anyway but it is giving a little helping hand to girls who are enthusiastic they're keen to get involved in the game and they need a shirt sponsor we're able to do that so we've done it <laughs> it really is as simple as that Thank you everybody for listening to episode 4 of Hibs.pod. Sorry it's a little bit shorter than usual, that's because we had to delay this for a few weeks there. Uh, we hadn't announced a sponsorship of the Academy at that point and we couldn't release a podcast talking about a sponsorship that wasn't public knowledge yet. So that's the reason for the delay but uh, we're pleased to be back and these episodes will now be regular and monthly so you can put them in your diary but do write it in pencil. We're a little bit inconsistent but we are working on it. We had to cut this episode down because a lot of the talk around the interview was about Hib's current form. Well, it was current at the time and Hibs were unbeaten. So the, the chat wasn't really relevant anymore. We were still in the midst of uh, the, the end of a summer window. Um, I've cut all of that out because who wants to listen to that? But next month, the episode will be released on time and it'll be contemporary and we'll be able to talk a little bit more about football. But thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll see you very soon.